Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Outlander, official Outlander podcast. I'm Matt Roberts, executive producer. Um, and I am here today with uh, someone you may have heard of, Tony Graffia, also executive producer and writer on Outlander. Uh, say hi, Tony. Hello, everyone, and welcome to season seven. Season seven. Um, I want to remind everyone that Tony and I uh, have been on Outlander now for uh, a decade. So actually over a decade. We're into 2023. Yeah, more, more. So yeah. we're actually 11 years into this. And that's not counting um, reading time. My my uh, previously before even uh, starting the show, reading the book. So. Uh, but it's been 11 years since we started. Um, we had our first meeting at Jerry's Deli on Ventura Boulevard, <laughs> and, and it's no longer. We ac we actually outlived Jerry's Deli um, yeah. because uh, it closed uh, down. It's a Los Angeles institution, and I like want to cry every time I drive past when I remember that that's where we started. That's where we started. Good sandwiches. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. We just had a, a little meeting with Ron and Meryl and me and you and um, a fun little chat about, uh, hey, what, what about doing this little show uh, with these really big books? And, and here we are a decade later. And uh, your episode, Tony, you wrote this episode. Um, what the hell is the title of this thing again? The title is The Happiest Place on Earth. Um, I'm sure um, there's little, some, I'm sure yeah, there's a reference. double entendre there. <laughs> there absolutely is to most of my titles. Um, although you, you came up with this title because I think I originally entitled it Tomorrowland um, as a little nod to the future. But then uh, we, I love the happiest place on earth because it, it said more, you know, Disneyland and the, you know, the, special meaning of the ridge being happy but not so happy um there's an irony there by the end of this episode yeah i think uh you know i know the fans that have already watched the episode and you're you're now join us on the podcast to kind of rewatch, and we'll, we'll give you as as much of the behind the scenes as as we can remember um also a little you know how we came up with things in the writer's room. Oddly enough, Tony, I remember from the script, uh, this wasn't in this spot. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's right. This was much later in the episode. And when we, when we watched the first director's cut, we just realized that it just sort of made it feel like two separate episodes because there was this whole front, front part it was about one thing about Brianna and, and the family leaving. And then it shifted into this other gear and, and it seemed like this Alan story came out of nowhere. And then of course we went back to, you know, the um, Wendigo story. So I believe it was your idea to, to put it in the front as a cold open so that we could just answer that question that was left hanging all the way from last season and give them the answer of what happened with Ma, but get it out of the way as a cold open um, and it was dramatic and heartbreaking. And then then jump into the, the titles 
and uh, start the story that felt more cohesive with this piece pulled out. Um, I believe that's exactly what happened. And this was one of those things that when we were finishing up season six um, and we, we had to cut th that season short, one of the, one of the big challenges was how to finish some of the stories from season six off, but also um, start a new season. And I'd said this in the last podcast is it, that was one of our biggest challenges because we still had a fair amount of story um, uh, left over from season six. And we wanted to give it its just due yeah. without taking away from season seven. So, right. Um, right. We had, this is what we um, came up with. Actually, we had like four episodes worth of material and we ended up basically combining two episodes and combining another two for this episode. And so the first two episodes of this season are sort of four episodes worth of material, but by cutting them, you know, squeezing them together and combining them, I think they became even stronger episodes. And um and we we couldn't afford too much real estate because if we would have taken four episodes out of this this season and had only 12 to do the book that we wanted to do, we wouldn't have as much room to to tell uh the scope of the story that we were planning to tell for um the new season. So uh it, it hurt a little bit, I'm not gonna lie, to have to lose some of the stuff that we lost, but we found ways of incorporating that in a very sneaky way into later parts of the season. So we didn't give up too much, but um, I think we ended up with a stronger two episodes of episodes one and two of this season. And then we will move forward into our new material. We, I, I think that's always one of the biggest challenges. And I think the, the audience and fans ask that question quite a bit. You know, what, what do we, how do we choose what goes in and what goes, you know, what, what we don't ultimately incorporate. And, um, I would say it's a battle. It's always been a battle and it's not a battle, you know, in, in the sense of we don't fight with each other. It's that we talk about the importance of scenes and, and when we talk about the importance, it's usually the first, um, uh, benchmark is does it tell the story but then we have so many scenes that don't necessarily always push the story forward um, but they're emotional and they're character building and those are the ones that we really try to hold on to to the bitter end because that is what ultimately makes up Outlander and makes Outlander special yeah and there's there's always also scenes that maybe could have been in the book and weren't in the book, but are necessary to string together the, the scenes that we pull from the book. And like this scene right here where they're yeah. burying um, Alan, this was not in the book, but it was actually added after we saw this episode because we're like, wait a minute, we need some comment on this Alan. When we moved the, the Alan scene to the top of the episode, we needed we realized that we still needed the thread of of Claire commenting on learning that what you know how she felt about learning this, and to add a scene with you know them burying him, 
she is able to talk about what a tragedy it was about Malva and how she felt about it and how they share this secret that she and um, young Ian have this dark secret. You know, I think that's one of the things that we, we don't talk about a ton, you know, there's script phase, there's production phase, which is the actual filming. And then there's post and post is such a huge component of creating these episodes and crafting them and reworking them. And, and sometimes because you don't know from the page, you don't know what is ultimately going to be filmed um, and how it's going to come out. And, and it comes out sometimes, you know, way better than than you had imagined. And sometimes it doesn't come out anything at all what you imagined. Oh, speaking of not imagining it, you guys threw this opening Disneyland credit in here, the the the, the um, title card. I didn't know it was coming. And when I first watched the one of the cuts of the episode, I literally gasped when I saw uh, Disneyland because that was my dream opening, but I just wasn't <laughs> sure if we would be able to do it. And and you uh, surprised me with it. Like you I some, always try to surprise <laughs> you, always, you, Tony. You always try to catch me and usually do and i just was so thrilled and you and alicia and our post department um just like found the great footage and i i love it i just love that and i love mickey mouse being the ending and uh, the ending card where he waves because obviously that um you know goes with something later in the episode um, it does. You know, Brianna, having the baby here and being with Jamie, this, oh, I, you know, described in the script as a, uh, um, what is, what's the word for it when you say uh, the, uh, it's the picture of the whole family together. Um, portrait? A portrait of a family? Yeah, kind of like the portrait of the family, because um, obviously in an earlier book, when Jemmy was born, Jamie was there with Brianna. And I know the fans kind of missed it in, I think, the finale of season four, where Roger was away with the, the Mohawks and hadn't been back yet. And the story timing did not work out to where we could have Jamie um, and Claire there when the baby was born. And, and some of the fans missed that. And, and we just had to work it out that way. So decided to do, to do the birth of this baby and sort of, you know, recreate what we didn't get to do last time. And I love seeing um, uh, Jamie be with Brianna this time and, and have her give birth with, with Roger, Bree and, and um, Claire all there with her. You know, and I, I think we've over the years tried to do that as much as possible. You know, when we, we can't fit a moment in or, or because a, a story has diverged um, uh, because of production, because of locations, because of sets, because of cast right. availability, we've had to diverge from the book. We always try to get back, you know, and and, yeah. and if we can redo it in a way or not redo it, but do it and, and get it into the show, um, we try, you know, we, yeah. we certainly look to, to try. And these are a couple scenes here that were not in the book. Um, 
And I, I think that Meryl, I heard that Meryl said something like, whatever you do, don't cut the scene with the, Jamie and the baby and the little horse because the fans will go crazy if they if we don't see that. And I think I, I laughed because I thought that wasn't in the book, but it feels like it was um, because I made that up and this scene with Claire because I just thought that if, if um, they were, if Roger and Brian family were going to leave with that baby, that it would make it more heartbreaking if we get, got to see some bonding before they left. And so I just try to think of in the shortest amount of time, because again, we're combining material from last season so that we could fit the best parts. So there wasn't a lot of real estate to put new scenes, but I was like, what's the shortest scenes we can do that show this? And I thought, Jamie, the horseman, telling his the little granddaughter that I'm going to teach you to ride one day, and then juxtaposed with Claire saying, "Here's my surgery, and I'm going to teach you about herbs and medicine one day." It was just a great shorthanded way to get um, to show the hopes and dreams that that Jamie and Claire have for their newest family member and the future that they imagine um, with her growing up on the ridge, and then of course the heartbreak that comes when that, that dream uh, falls apart. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, it was a nice, it was a nice way to do that. Um, you, you don't want to see uh, Jamie holding his, his granddaughter. You want to see Claire and those are the kinds of things like we had no intentions of ever cutting it, even though I believe when this episode came in, it was uh, 20 minutes <laughs> over or something like that. Um, I know. I don't know why, but I could write like a 40 page script. It would still be 20 minutes too long for some reason. It, it is always um, the case. When we say 20 minutes too long, we have a we have a hard out at 59 minutes. And <laughs> this one was not 59 minutes. So um, they, they never are. They never are. And we we have always to... have a wealth of, of great material for the most part. The actors always, always you know knock it out of the park and and then it presents a dilemma of what to trim out when we have to this this is one of those scenes where um there's so much going on in there's so many reactions um because of of the the gravity of what's being said that you you have to cover it so much because everybody's reacting to every word, to every beat, to mm -hmm. every moment. And, you know, you have to, you have to get uh, Brianna's, all her emotional reactions. You have to get Rogers. You have to get Jamie, who um, I thought, uh, I thought uh, Sam did a, a really good job of being present during the whole scene, even though Jamie isn't right in amongst the group here. And and you can see that if if you saw the wide, Jamie is way behind the couch, you know, the Davenport or sofa, whatever you want to call it. And um, he's on the kind of the other side of the room weighing all this. And every time you cut to him, there's something going on in his head and he's he's calculating what this means in the scene. And I think he's a really good barometer of what's going on. I think Katrina just freaking killed this scene. Um, it's one of those, uh, scenes that I had said this in the last podcast, Tony, is that, um, when you watch Outlander, you watch, you know, you watch it once 
and, and we get to see, you know, I see these cuts, you know, 20, 30, 40 times, whatever. You see them quite a few times. And every time you see it, you kind of notice something else in the scene. You know, you, you're watching Claire in this moment, but then, oh, you, you watch the subtlety of, 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 of uh, Jamie and the, his heartbreak. And then you watch Brianna's heartbreak. And, you know, because you can't take it all in sometimes during one take, you know, or during one sitting. And that's what I, I love about these complex scenes. So uh, well done. That was a compliment to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I I was actually about to compliment the director, uh, Lisa Clark, because I think she, I was not here for the shooting of this episode. Um, and I think, you know, it's you always worry about your baby when you send it off to be shot and you're not there on the set, um, as I was later in the season. But uh, I thought I thought she did uh, a magnificent job uh, with this one. We did something. Um a couple seasons ago with Roger and Bree and it was setting up this moment. And it was also to throw some of the book readers off a little bit because um, I don't want them to always be so comfortable that they know exactly what's going to happen next. So we had Roger and Bree in seasons past try to go home and they touched the stones and the stones spit them back out in what they deemed as in their home the 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 stones chose for them and it was to set up a little more stakes in this moment where can they even get back can can it even happen you know and we also did that to you know cuz the book readers will have read ahead they know oh they must go back you know they have to go back and and that moment throws them off because I remember reading comments and and listening to um, people talk about it. And it was like, oh, maybe they're not going to have them go back. And, you know, I get to twist my mustache a little bit and go, ha, ha, ha. That's exactly what we want. We want the book readers <laughs> thrown off a little bit, too, because, you know, there's something about anticipation and getting exactly what you want or something close to what you want, but not how you expected it. And, and I think that's part of our job. And, it, you know, well done to to everybody who works on Outlander to help that process. It's your turn to talk, Tony. <laughs> Here, talk about the wallpaper. If you want to talk about anything, you can talk about that wallpaper. Yes, it's very prominent in this scene. <laughs> so my guess is that when Jamie and Claire went to Wilmington to buy wallpaper, that was all that was left. That was the, the guy. The, the, hey, this is what we have. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I, I can't remember if that was Gary who did that or Mike Gunn who did that, but... Um, uh, I'm not a huge wallpaper person, so um, no wallpaper in my house. Well, hopefully 
people are paying attention to, of course, the writers will say the words of the most important thing. The costume, to the costumers, the costume is the most important. I, I'm always, you know, um, I always get a, a kick out of being in the, the cinematographer's tent on set and they're just watching every shot and they're just either freaking out or loving something. And it's always like a little shadow or something in the corner or a little stream of light. And I'm, I'm like, what, where is, I didn't even see that. And they're like, of course you didn't see it. You're just listening to the dialogue and we're looking at, at the light and that's their job, of course, but everyone has their little, little part. And, and see, um, that's, that's it, the difference is like when it's true and you, you, the people that focus on the thing that they focus on, they do it at such a high level. So costume is all about costume. Uh, yeah. DP, you know, director of photography, all about the look and the, the lighting and, and um, art department, all from props to the whole design of the set. And for, for at the end of the day, um, you know, the writers who are on set, you know, they care about the the script and the story. And and when we finally get it uh, to, you know, post in the it's everything. Like at some point you yeah. have to care about making the story work, making the episode work, making the season work. And a lot of times that means moving things around. That means cutting things that you didn't want to cut. That means well, adding new yeah. scenes that you didn't know you needed until you see the cut and you go, no, we, we need this moment. Like you said, with, with them yeah. burying, um, Alan, uh, Christy, we needed that moment and it wasn't there. So we had to craft that moment. Yeah. And this moment we actually ended up trimming down quite a bit because I was dying to write this moment. I, I always loved in the book how, you know, she crosses paths, Brianna crosses paths with her brother, and she's just about to go back to the future and never see her family again. And this gift that she gets at the last moment is to cross paths with her brother who she never thought she'd meet. And so, of course, I dove into that and wrote like a 10 page scene, probably. Well, not 10 pages, but I'd say it was quite a bit longer. And then when we saw it, we realized like, the the you know the the heartbreak of it is that she only gets to see him for a fleeting moment and she's as fun as it was to write all the dialogue and have them chatting and laughing when we saw it we're like it 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 needs to just be short it needs to be a glimpse of him and that's it you know and that's the, the sort of tragedy of it so so uh it, it slimmed down quite a bit but i i can't say i miss that dialogue because um, it makes this moment work. As you said, sometimes it means adding, sometimes it means taking away from the moments until we see them, you know, and then we know what we have. Yeah, and it, ultimately it's, you know, making sure that the roller coaster's going at the right pace. You know, you want your ups, you want your downs, you know, you, you want your fast yeah. drops and you want your slow and your twists and your turns. You want yeah. all that. And um, when that flow's not there, you feel it. You know, you can yeah. feel it in the cut. And obviously we wanted this moment where Jamie sees his, his you know, children together. 
standing yeah. there. And the just the unspokenness be, between Jamie and John Gray, because John sees him and he's like, are you going to come over? And Jamie's not going to come over because he knows that entering that moment would open Pandora's box where he'd have to talk or explain or, you know, how hard it is to keep this huge, huge secret, which is like the elephant in the room. It would be like the elephant in the street would be, oh, my God, this is your father. He hasn't he hasn't seen William since William was 12 at, at when he visited the ridge. And Brianna, I, li I like her kind of questioning him because she's got modern sensibility, which is a kid has a right to know their parentage. So you really should come clean with him at some point. And that's just unheard of back then. That would just be devastating for William's life. And to see them argue a little bit about it is, you know, she's got to step back and realize this isn't her business. Wait, you know, I think one of the reasons that this scene was important, um, not only to, to see for Jamie, I think it was important for Jamie to see, um, his children together. Um, yeah, he, less so yeah. for me, it's less so Brianna meeting, um, yeah. William. And it's me, it, for me, why it was important. It was for Jamie. And another reason was for, um, uh, uh, Lord John and Jamie to have that connection that that beat was the most important yeah. for me because of what's coming next and and it it just puts it it puts all the stakes on the table for Jamie and and for uh, for John is the life yeah. of the their because Brianna's going back she know they they know she's going to be safe or he doesn't but um Jamie does. And yeah. it's the stakes of William. And what are we going to do about William and then keeping him right. alive? Right. And that's why that beat was so important. And, you know, just to get David Barry on camera is also another good reason. Love David <laughs> Barry. He does Love such him. a, I, I'm going to say this right now. This is a spoiler. Um, in only a way that I could give spoilers is that David Barry is absolutely phenomenal this season. Um, oh, yeah. He, he just, brings just everything uh to the table in in the emotions that the lord john has to have this season it is we, phenomenal we absolutely I, <laughs> I, I, we put him I, through the ringer this month this uh this season for sure we put him through the ringer. And, and of course we we don't have all the episodes finished you know but um up to this date oh boy oh boy yeah, some good stuff. He, he's got some stuff coming for the David Berry fans, and there's a lot of them where they will not be disappointed. I like. Uh, I agree with what you said that that prior scene on the street is really about about J it's Jamie's scene more than Brianna's. And I and one of my favorite lines is when he says here, you know, I've seen my two children together, and it's a picture in my mind forever. And for him, that's enough. And that that's part of Jamie's character is he's such a self-sacrificer. There's nothing he'd love more than to get to know his son and, and that, but that would be selfish. That would cost so much for William. So his, the Jamie's strength to hold that secret and hold himself back from what his own heart would, you know, desire 
to say, it's enough for me just to have seen them together. And I'll hold that in my mind. Um, I think that's one of the character traits about, about Jamie, you know, that that's really endearing is that he can take a moment and he has a picture in his mind and he keeps it. And it's, it, it think back. I mean, what, what sustained him all those years, Claire was gone was a picture in his mind. Mm -hmm. And he re he just replayed the pictures in his mind and the moments. And I think for a lot of us, if we could have that ability um, it certainly would make a life um, more pleasant yeah. if you can just and and really take solace in those moments yeah. and 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 not just throw them away as just a random memory, but yeah. just really hold on to them. So anyway, that's just me. I'm just, you no, know, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, we've always called this the breakup scene where they truly have to break up. I mean, they've they've traded words before they did in the street, you know, in an, in an episode last season where John's like, how could you possibly think the rebels are right? And they had a little bit of a political argument and Jamie walked away, but here is where they truly have to break up. Um, and that was a setup for this. And um, something I love about this scene too, that, that we changed a bit is that in the book, um, when Jamie needs a gemstone, um, John Gray gives him a ruby or something that used to belong to Hector, who was uh, he was in a relationship with in you know before Kaladi, a long time before that, and uh, but we we traded that and used the the sapphire that was the sapphire that John took from Jamie when he was back at Ardsmere. And he's had it with him for 25 years, but and you know it's something he would hold on to, being away from Jamie to have a piece of Jamie with him. And um, here, the minute he hears, even though he and Jamie are arguing, they're going to break up, so-called break up, you know, their friendship, um, and be apart, even though they will always love each other. Um, in the moment where they have to say we can never see each other again, as soon as John hears that Brianna needs something, needs a gem. He just pulls out the sapphire and is like, take this. And you know it costs John something to give that back to Jamie. But I think that's another uh, selfless thing that he does. Um, and it's really special, I think, that, you know, Brianna would use the this gemstone to, 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 to leave and take her back to save her daughter. I often talk about details, little things. And one of the little things that I've, I liked about this moment and it's not about the words. It's not about the acting, although those were, those are the, the amazing of uh, the performances, but it's that subtle little thing that, that they did where they put the Sapphire where John gets it. It's right next to his heart. And, and yes. I thought, what a, what a really cool little thing is that he kept that sapphire next to his heart all yeah. these years because he loved Jamie and he still loves Jamie um, that much. I love that. that like that, that little detail is is what to me what yeah. makes our show that much more special. 
And the putting the sapphire in his hand is also in the main title. I like to always point out because I love when we show the main title before as a little uh, teaser for the season and, and then fans try to guess, oh, I saw this moment. I saw that moment. Is this what it means? Is that what it means? Sometimes they guess, sometimes they don't. But I know a lot of people noticed, oh, he gives him the sapphire. You know, what is that? And so I always like to point out in the episodes when one of the main title shots come up because as the as the season unfolds, you'll finally see all of these shots and what they mean and see if you were right or wrong with your guess of what it what it is. It's um I've discovered um very difficult to pull one over on on these fans. They uh, <laughs> yes it is. They do not only do they know the books and they know the show, but they know these little moments, they put two and two together pretty quick. That's why we got to throw a little, you know, trigonometry in there and really right. mix it up so they, they don't guess it. This scene. Um, oh, my favorite is, scene. Is, uh, I, I, again, I don't have favorites, but I do like this. <laughs> we went over and over. You know, we got a lot of Firefly experts in the world um, that work on our show that 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 <laughs> that commented on this. And I'm going to I'm going to point this out right now that, yeah, we wanted it to be real, meaning, yeah, there's there's really fireflyers in the world. But this is a magical moment. And to 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 think that that Outlander doesn't have a little bit of magic in it. Well, there's people going through stones, going through time. Yeah, that's magic. <laughs> so when when we started to craft this, my my brief to everybody involved was I want it to be magical. I I want, yeah. I want to feel the magic, especially about what you're, what you wrote, Tony, what they're talking about. You know, I know this, uh, a lot of the scenes from, uh, the book. Um, yeah. And, and which when you read that section of the book, it's magical. There's a magic to it. So that was my main brief is, I want to feel the magic grow along with the yeah. the the scene itself. And yeah. no, sometimes fireflies don't do this. But here's my argument. Fireflies in 1776 or 1777, whatever year it is, acted exactly like this. And I want anybody to prove me wrong. <laughs> Go That's ahead. always Firefly, a good argument to have. Prove me wrong. <laughs> Tell me, tell yeah. me the fireflies haven't changed their I behavior think, in 250 years. Yes, we had many discussions of how many fireflies, how high they fly, how long the lights stay on for. And that was the only edict was make it look magical. Because sometimes when I read the book, I'll pick an episode I want to write for, for what happens in the plot or the big emotional thing or whatever strikes me. And something always strikes each writer differently and they want to everyone kind of usually wants to write a different part. So it kind of works out, but um, on sometimes it's a single scene. And in this book, I love this scene, this father daughter scene moved me so much in the book and the whole firefly thing that when I read that, I just marked it with a post-it. I want to write this. I don't care what's around it. Uh, it. It's nice that there was other good dramatic stuff around it, but even if, even if it had been, uh, less less exciting parts around it. I would have been, said I have to write whatever this firefly scene is going to go in because I just love it, 
and um, it came out great. The Sophie's great, Sam is great, and uh, makes me cry every time. Yeah, um, it's just something um, when when she says, and I think I did add this line um, because it is a lot from the book. But when she says, "You are magical to me," um, I really I really love that, and um, because I think there is a part of Jamie that's like, "Are you disappointed?" Are you, you know, you, you, you know, the future sounds so great because he's heard all this stuff about these inventions and he knows that Brianna's been through, she's been through hell since she got here. A lot of tragic things have happened to her and a lot of hardship. And she's like, I don't care about all that. I got to know you, my father, and it was all worth it. And I think it's very humble of him to say, I hope you haven't been disappointed. As if anyone could be disappointed by Jamie Frazier, but he's he's humble enough to think that. And for her to, to say, no way, you know, you're the magic one and nothing could be better than that is, is just, I love that. I love that part. Um, if you have any complaints about the fireflies, Please send them to PO Box. <laughs> um, I, 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 John Neal did a really nice job with the fireflies. Um, I just, uh, uh, again, visual effects. Um, although practically, um, to go back, uh, Sam had to actually catch not a firefly, but it was an LED light. And it looks it looks so real that um, yeah, it looks really real. I mean, yeah, yeah, I grew Amazing up with fireflies uh, in in my part of the country. We definitely had fireflies and we caught them in in jars. But yeah, uh, Jamie snags it out there's, of there with his bare bare hands. There's a big debate, you know, is it a lightning bug or a firefly? We called them lightning bugs, lightning, but you got to say it like yeah. that. Well, lightning yeah, bugs. lightning <laughs> bug. Um, we went, we went fireflies. So, <laughs> I know this is something a lot of fans really like is the fact that Jamie can dream about the future, and he describes to her. Um, I like this oh, moment. Yeah. This is a, one of those moments where, you know, for an episode that's as, as long as, as this one was, you go, Hey, in the cut, you can literally cut this scene out and the story still plays. But to me watching it, it was like, wow, this is such an important moment for the characters. Yeah. Not for the story, but for the characters, um, that, you know, it was impossible to leave it out. You know, I really, I, I really thought it was uh, yeah. a poignant moment for these two. And uh, it's a sweet moment. And do you remember we had a lot of discussions about in the book, she does throw the the stone out the window, but then there was a lot of, of talk about we've gone out of our way to say how precious gemstones are, how hard they are to come by. And, you know, even to take this trip for them to find four gemstones so they could go back. A lot of people came up with, how could she throw it out the window? Um, 
so we added this little part where she she because you know there was some thought that maybe we, she shouldn't throw it out and i said she absolutely has to throw it because she she's making a gesture of i'll never leave you i don't need this stone it, but, it makes no yeah. sense if she doesn't throw it she has to be she defiant. has to throw it she so has just, to say that's how unimportant this gem is exactly we're, we're, and, but then we added this just little fun line. This was sort of the the compromise. And I think it actually made this seem a little cute at the end. Because then he says, better go get that. We might want to go look for that gemstone. Yeah, I I could have. You know, it was a cute the way they played it. I could have done without it. But that's just me. I like the moment where she throws it out and says, you know, Oh, of that's, course. We would have never cut that out. No. That's what I think of their offer, the, your offer. And I think he, you know, uh, in the way Sam played it, he was relieved. You know, I, I think in his heart, yeah. he knows, you know, that that's the case. Uh, again, this. Go ahead. This scene, this scene was very tricky because in the book, I think there's no description. They just go to the stones and they're gone. I don't think there's any speeches. So when I realized on TV, we couldn't really get away with that. I, this was the most intimidating part of writing this script was I've got to write four speeches, basically. Well, five counting Jemmy, because we've got to have Brianna say goodbye to Claire and Claire say goodbye and Jamie say goodbye and Roger and even Jemmy. And so, you know, and it had to be short and sweet because we don't have 15 minutes to do a big goodbye. So, so. Well, the one thing you these, are not, Tony, you no, are not it, short. You I are sweet, not, um, but you're no, not I'm short. Long, um, I'm long, I'm, I'm known for being long winded. So th this took me, this was probably the hardest thing. And the last thing that I wrote was how am I going to get in these speeches? And we just settled on having Claire say like, I, I traveled once to save my baby. You're traveling to save yours. And just, you know, saying a simple, I love you. Um, you know, well, they didn't I think, insane... I think the looks on their face, I think the performances really oh, brought yeah. a lot to the scene is that you can see the pain on yeah. their faces. You can see the pain in their eyes. Um, and and that's what what really gives it the weight that you're, yeah. you were looking for. I will tell a little sidebar story here that once I said to Tony, Hey, you can write this script and it could be a little bit longer than normal. And she turned in a 90 page script and, <laughs> and normal is 50 something pages. Yeah. So you never want to say, uh, no. uh, you can go a little long here, Tony, because that's, <laughs> I've been threatened to, to write only 40 page scripts now. Yeah. Um, I have to admit, though, uh, little Jemmy, he improvised the I love you. That was not in the script. I think he just said it because he's a little kid and he actually he actually loves Katrina <laughs> because I remember his first day on the set. She was carrying him around and letting him pet horses and uh, she got she made him feel comfortable. And I think he bonded with her and um, and he just hugged her and said, I love you. And we were all like, oh, my God, that's great. Wish I'd written that, but I didn't. Um, you know, Katrina's good with the animals and the kids. She, yeah, well, she, which is great because those are the hardest when it those comes are to the, Yep. Normally you get uh, the animal actors and the, 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 the children actors. They want to do their yeah. own thing. 
That's what it is. Oh, yeah. They just want to do their own thing. Yeah. But this is, uh, again, we had to go find a place, a location that resembled um, the Outer Banks of North Carolina, which, of course, you know, this is not dead on. We know that. But um, at least it, it gave the feeling of it. And, and um, for me, you're looking at the feeling of this moment should be everything that you're paying. We always say, if you're paying attention to the clouds, we've lost, we've, we've, we've lost the plot. You know what I mean? Like, it's all about these characters saying goodbye, being heartbroken. I believe that another favorite line of mine, and that was from the book is when Jamie says, say hello to a mouse name. If you see a mouse named Michael, tell him hello from me. That is from the book. Yeah, I think that, you know, you look for, we we have, it was, you know, back in the day, a lot of people talk about the challenges of Outlander. And back in the day, you know, season one, in retrospect of all these other seasons, season one was actually, story-wise, one of the easiest to tell. You know, it was a very straightforward mm-hmm. story, not, not that it wasn't complex in the storytelling, but straightforward in, Boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy, a uh, girl loses boy. You know, they ought to get each other back. All these things, you know, a lot of things happen, you know, yeah. blackjack, all this stuff. But it was very it, we we saw the direction of the story. And then and then as they go, there's a lot of flashbacks, a lot of flash forwards, a lot of people out of time, people in time. So it's how to tell these stories became way more challenging. And this is going oh, a challenge yeah. going forward for us is that you have two separate stories going on and fitting it all in. That's the key is fitting it all in. We have a lot more characters than we used to have from season one. We we never broke POV in the first seven episodes. It, you were always with Claire. So yeah. you didn't have to worry about what everybody else was doing in a day. Yeah, You had to worry about what Claire was doing. And then it was Claire and Jamie. And you yeah. only had to worry about those two. Many and now we got to worry about many more people. Many more people this season. Um, I like how uh, I like how Brianna does a callback. Uh, this this was something not from the book in this section, but taken from the book, inspired by the book, where Brianna says, "Don't worry, Dad. Nothing's lost, only change." Which is, of course, another way of saying the the law of thermodynamics, which is what Claire said to Jamie and what Jamie said to Claire. So. When he he says you are my daughter, it's a it's a little callback of it's it's a sentiment that that resonates through the whole series. Nothing's lost, only changed, even if they go through time and aren't aren't together. And I know this is Meryl Davis's very favorite line from the book from this section um, is when he says for for my for my sake alone, I could not go on. Um, but he's there with Claire, but having lost the rest of his family, um, we made sure to get that in there because she was like, I love that part. (laughs) A lot of debate about the moment, huh, Tony? 
Yeah, we, we always struggle with how to tell that they actually made it, especially because they were spit back out last time they tried to go. And we came up, I don't remember, it might have been you, it came up with, let's show a, let's show an airplane, let's show a jet going overhead. And that will tell them, oh my, we've made it to the future. And blending yeah, it with, with I, Jimmy's I the, plane. I think one of the things is you wanted the, plane to be closer to them like flying right yes. over the top of them and i, <laughs> I, I was to like fly right over them like a big shadowy cross you know yeah, but, like you, you know, see but they're <laughs> there's no airport anywhere near them so yeah, that was they... one of the issues oh here's your credit now here's something here's from a the main title main this title is Matt's credit on the main title is it's not my line. credit it's just the shot that where my credit goes over there's Murtaugh's yeah it's the Karen, shot where which... your credit goes over yeah um and uh, we wasn't there a line there, Tony. There was a line that was your happiest uh, place on earth line, wasn't it? That was where they were supposed to look at the ridge and say the happiest place on earth. Did you cut that? I didn't know that was out. <laughs> They're supposed to look and say it's the happiest place on earth, but with irony because now, no, it was the happiest place, but. Now his part of his family is gone, so it's just an ironic, an ironic phrase. I thought that was still in there, sir. No. Is there anything else I'm gonna miss as I go through here? Better warn you better, me. You better, uh, <laughs> you better, you better rewatch a, little, a couple times. Um, I again, you know, we only have so much time, and uh, it gets very difficult to. Uh, take all the footage that we have and, and get it into 59 right. minutes. Um, uh, and uh, again, one of your episodes, your episodes tend to be uh, very challenging um, to do that. It on the page, it always looks like it's going to time out. We do read throughs. We do actors. I tell you, here's the problem. They, they talk too slow. If they would just talk <laughs> faster, we could fit more in. Um, <laughs> I, th there are shows that do that. I know there's shows there that are actually shows that, use yeah. stopwatches and time their act and, and make them pace things. And, 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 and they talk over each other quite a bit. And that's just, yeah. you know, as we know, that's not our show. By the way, uh, no one write any letters. Tony was just teasing. I was um, teasing. I was definitely teasing. You should have seen this her is face. Just no, this is no West Wing. Uh, this is the opposite of West Wing. We, the moments are really uh, just heavy and full of of looks and meaning and and uh, emotion. And although I love West Wing, it's a totally different different animal. Well, it's just, a, you know, filmed in a different way. You know, they do yeah. a lot of walk and talks on those type of shows where the there's a lot of energy in in the way. And then people talk over each other quite a bit in those shows. And we don't, you know, we just don't do that. Um, and it's not. And that was from the beginning. And uh, it it's. Uh, I like that about our show. I really do. I like that we we literally say yeah. to the the cast and the and the directors when we tone the, the show let this up let this yeah. breathe let the scene breathe it needs let to it breathe. breathe it's emotional you can't you can't just race through it because you're on a stopwatch you know no these, and uh, these are beautiful yeah. moments that need to breathe 
And that's well, what makes them, that's what makes the, 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 the person, you know, ride along with you. Yeah. Actors will frequently say, let me do it in a look. Let me do it in a look. And on other shows, I'm like, no, really the words will convey it better. Why don't you just say it? But when you have two actors like these two right here, when they say, let me do it in a look and you have Katrina Balfe or Sam Hewen and you see what they do with that, then it's the only time I've ever felt like, yeah, I don't miss that line. They did it. I saw it in their eyes. I saw it in their face and I'm happy with it. I love all these still lives, you know, slice of life shots. We chose them very we're, carefully. They're all real. Like they, you know, we don't, you know, all that set is there. You know, we, it's yeah. all, it's all ready to go. I, I love that we can just go throw a second unit in there and they can film all these fabulous shots. Well, we have these things like the honey, you know, or Brianna's portraits or the little horse that say so much with just a quick image. Because, again, we had to get to this part, um, which is sort of the last sequences um, that lead to something pretty dramatic. So a little, wanna... bit, a, a little bit of a of spoiler in the fact that we were going to end um we were going to get to season six at the end remember what we were going to do Tom? yeah this was going to be <laughs> the the finale of last season this was going to be the finale yeah um and we were going to leave you guys with this moment and then come back for season seven but um you know the the stars and the universe aligned both with us and against us um, in a lot of ways, COVID and things, but, you know, we were, um, you know, I think, you know, uh, a really cool, fortunate, blessed event where Katrina, um, had a baby and, and that was a really cool thing. Um, so it was, it was for a lot of reasons. And we, we teased Mr. Wendigo Donner, um, last season in the uh, the jail cell, a lot of fans were like, who is that or what is that? Maybe the book readers knew, but others, there were a lot of others that weren't clear about it, but he's whistling a tune from the future. And Claire thinks she hears something, but it, then she doesn't know if it's just on the wind. And, and then obviously we showed him in um, ep one and um you know, it wasn't a tease. It was deliberate. We put them there. So. Yeah. We wanted to set up the reasons that he would come back to find her. Um, and it's not just that he, he needs a gemstone. Yes. But he also, he tried getting through the stones. He did something wrong and he didn't make it through. Um, he got drunk. And he, he got he drank too much. He was well, it was scary because remember when he came through, others came through like Ottertooth, and he was separated from them, and some of them died. Some of them didn't make it. So 
because of his nervousness, he drinks and uh, to get his courage up and then didn't make it through. So he needs this information from Claire. And he's a loose cannon. He's very dangerous. He didn't save her before from a Lionel. There's a lot of baggage here with these two. So this is really meant to be an explosive moment, literally and metaphorically. I see what you did there, Tony. That was really fun. Uh, <laughs> Queen very of the clever. metaphor. Yeah. Queen of the metaphor. We've set up that the the ether is stored in the in the surgery, and th this scene took a lot of choreography to to get all the elements in place, get the the henchmen in place, get the bugs to come out at the right time, to figure out how to get the bugs, the gold. The matches. We had a lot of debate. And when I say debate, when you hear me say debate, it's not a friendly debate in the sense that we are really disagreeing with how something should be done. And and there's a lot of people weighing in on it. And it's it's tough sometimes to go, hey, everybody, let's just calm down. We want to tell the story. Yes, there's what, you know, at the end of the day, there's documentaries and then there's fictional stories. And we try to be as close to a documentary as possible with the accuracy of what can be done. But then we also want some drama. And sometimes, right, right. you know, um, uh, and I know there's movie tropes and television tropes that make us believe certain things happen. Like every time you know, a, a car uh, goes off a cliff, it immediately blows up. I don't think that happens, but it does in movies a lot. So we had to kind of work it out to what would really happen. I don't know if this would really happen, but it looks really cool. <laughs> and it's very dramatic. And I don't know what just happened. I don't know who's living. I don't know who's dying. And that's what it says in the script. We don't know who lives and who dies. I think we have a pretty good that's, idea. That's the last line of the script is yeah. who lives, who dies. And we'll find out next week. And we will find out next week. And I think we all have a pretty good idea who might live and who might die. <laughs> but we'll you guys come back next week and uh, find out with us. Um, I want to thank you, uh, Tony Graffia, for being on the on the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Um, thank you. Everyone out there for listening and sticking with us for all the way up to season seven. Uh, we, I promise we won't be disappointing you. I think you'll be uh, on the edge of your seat for many, many episodes this season. Um, I second that. It, this is, it's, it's, uh, I, the first two were fantastic. I think it's even going to get, uh, it, it's getting more intense as we go. So uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us on the Outlander uh, podcast. And until next week, have a good day and a good night wherever you are.